It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is the other side of midnight. It was 30 years ago today that a mass shooting occurred aboard a Long Island railroad train in Garden City Park, New York. Now, if you're under the age of 30 listening to this, you might think, what's the big deal? There's mass shootings every day. If it's not in Buffalo, it's in Las Vegas. If it's not in Las Vegas, it's in uh, South Carolina. If it's not in South Carolina, it's in California. There's one every day. What's the big deal? Well, this it was just such a fascinating story. Every aspect of it was fascinating. As the train arrived at the station, a passenger, Colin Ferguson, began firing at other passengers with a semi-automatic pistol. Six of the victims were killed. Nineteen others were wounded before Ferguson was tackled and held down by other passengers on the train. Ferguson's trial was remarkable for a number of things, just how unusual it was. He has great attorneys, including my friend Ron Kuby. He fires these terrific attorneys and insists on representing himself. So... Not only did he represent himself, he ends up questioning the victims on the stand. Understand what what this meant. The very same people that he shot on the train. He's then cross-examining in the courtroom. Is it your testimony that the defendant Ferguson stood right in front of you? By the way, I want to make clear, when he says uh, the defendant Ferguson, he's talking about himself. That's what he's talking about. I mean, think of how bizarre this is. That the defendant Ferguson stood right in front of you and shot you. You weren't right in front of me. You were about 10 to 12 feet away, approximately distance we're at about now. The only time you have seen the suspect is on TV because you were playing dead. Am I correct? I saw you shoot me, and I saw, I've seen you on TV. Not surprisingly, it did not take a jury very long to convict him of six counts of murder, 19 counts of attempted murder. He's currently incarcerated at Great Meadow Correctional Facility with an earliest possible release date of August of 2309. Now, it's funny. Memory is a funny thing. I, I've talked about this before in varying contexts. For instance, you know, people remember things that didn't happen and people dwarf things in their own memory that did happen. And I, I for instance, when I was three or four, I have a vivid recollection, a clear as a bell, clear as clear as yesterday memory of me misbehaving when I was three or four years old and my father taking this little tool set that I had in a little toolbox and going into our backyard and off the balcony, throwing it into the woods to punish me because I was being so annoying. I brought this up with my father many times. He insists that this didn't happen. Now, I go back and look at that desti- that uh, that balcony to the fence uh, distance. It would have been a tough throw for him to make, even somebody as athletic as my dad was. Um, do I not remember this? Was this a dream that I had when I was a three-year-old or a four-year-old? Or does my father not remember? I have no idea. So as I was thinking about this 30-year anniversary of this very bizarre crime, I seem to remember 
that I had a coworker who not only had a vivid recollection of what it was like to cover this as a member of the media, but I seem to remember him telling me that he actually played some sort of a role in Colin Ferguson knowing how to take the Long Island Railroad. Now, I thought to myself, that can't be. That can't be. How could he have both covered this and had any sort of relationship with Colin Ferguson before that? And I said, let me reach out to him again. Sure enough, my memory did not fail me. And this story is absolutely fascinating. I am very, very pleased uh, to welcome back to the airwaves a gentleman that is uh, no stranger to many of the listeners on many of our stations, Mike Thompson, a veteran talk radio producer and program director who's now a character actor in Los Angeles. Mike, it's great to talk with you again. Uh, It's great to have a fellow uh, producer, former producer, make good. So it's a pleasure. And uh, I think the last time I was on uh, your station in New York, WABC, was a year prior to the shooting when I was thrust into hosting the morning show with Bruce Anderson, when uh, Curtis Sliwa, the host of the show that I produced, was shot. So uh, here we are again, and it's a screwy story, very tragic. You know, like you, I'm sure you went back in some of the archives and read some of the particulars and, you know, reading about uh, Rep, Rep New York uh, Representative uh, Carolyn McCarthy and her husband being killed, and she went into politics, was a big proponent of gun control, and uh, where do I start? Well, so let's set the stage for people, Mike. Uh, You've had a career in radio that goes back almost a half century. For instance, even though this is your first time as a guest on this program, you're heard on this program every December because you're a voice in the 1981 version of WMCA's A Christmas Carol with Bob Grant as Ebenezer Scrooge. So uh, if when I think of somebody that's worked in radio forever, not that you're that old, but I think of you. So what were you doing uh, in December of 1993 professionally? Where were you at that point in your life? Well, I I was producing the morning show with uh, Curtis Sliwa, founder of the Guardian Angels, still heard in New York. And many people around the country know from his appearances on many network television shows. And his then wife, Lisa Sliwa, they were called Angels in the Morning. And for those of you not in the radio business or a cop or a fireman or someone that opens up a Dunkin' Donuts at uh, five in the morning, you know, Frank, the the life of a morning show producer is uh, bizarre. You're up uh, very early in the morning in the station, probably about 430, uh, starting your prep. And frankly, this was before computers. And just to tell you, when I would track down guests, I booked about six guests, phone guests on the fly every morning before the internet. Many times I would be in what was called a Coles reverse directory. If I had a name of somebody in the news, I would go through the phone book and wake up every John Smith in Brooklyn (laughs) to put them on the freaking radio. Right. So anyway, um, I'm at home in a place called Little Neck, New York. I live right near the train station so I could catch the train first thing in the morning. At that time, uh, WABC uh, was at right above Penn Station, and it was very easy to come up the escalator, go to work. So 
Um, when you're a producer of a radio, you have weird hours of when you sleep and when you nap and so forth. So um, I had one of the first Motorola brick phones, big brick Motorola cell phone. And I was fortunate not to have to grab a, you know, a uh, pay phone back in the day. But um, I believe I had a police scanner. So I'm sitting at home, probably drowsy because I had to get up the next morning, and produce the show. And I heard some activity going on on Long Island. And I heard Marillon Avenue. It's a station in Garden City, New York, on the Long Island Railroad. What, about 25 minutes from New York City, from Penn Station. So I get in my car, a little Volkswagen, um, with New York press plates, and I drive to the station, and I was able to get pretty close to the station near the platform because I had the press plates. And Frank, um, to this day, it still haunts me seeing corpses, dead bodies, with blood against the window of the train, with the head leaning against the window. Victims, some of the six victims and perhaps some of the 19 injured that were shot. It Mm. was haunting. It still is. And of course, later in this story, we'll tell you even more haunting. But so I get on my brick phone and I call our program director, John Manelli, the genius who's probably listening in Omaha, Nebraska right now. And uh, I said, look, you know, I'm listening to our station and we have G Gordon Liddy on the air on a tape show, I think. And he's talking all about guns and <laughs> buying guns and blah, blah, blah. They go, John, we got to, <laughs> this, this is going to be a big story. We got to do something about this. So we brought in a host, um, I guess then uh, Jay Diamond was more of a weekend host or part-time host. And we put him on the air, and I'm phoning in live reports from the scene, Maryland Avenue, the train station, and just describing what I saw, the horrific sights of, of this incredible massacre. Uh, of course, most of the area was and, – and so for folks that are out of New York – uh, Garden City is an extremely affluent community on Long Island, Nassau County, and um, seeing the, the police and the fire and the ambulances and the cordoned off train station um, was just a, a sight with a, a lot of people wondering what was going on. So I'm calling back. Finally, we get Jay on the air, and I'm describing what uh, is going on. And for those of you that don't know Jay Diamond, and I'm sure, you know, 30 years later, maybe he's changed, but Jay could be riled up quite easily. Is that a fair, a fair assessment? Uh, fr- yes, I think that I think he would admit that that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Yes. So he is screaming on the phone as I'm trying to relate everything that I'm seeing. And he's going, you know, this is you know what this is going to be. This is going to be black rage. Everyone should get torches. And like the movie Frankenstein and go down to Mineola to the Nassau County Courthouse and blah, blah. And I go, okay, well, Jay, we don't really know any information right now. Mike, let me ask a quick question. At at, at this point, had there been an identification of the suspect at the time that you would. They identified him as a black man. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. That's that's correct. And that's what set Jay off. Got it. 
And, and frankly, although it was very reactionary, it was somewhat prescient, as we find out later on in the story. And, and so I probably stayed there to about maybe this time, <laughs> one or two in the morning, and then got a few hours of sleep and went in to, to do the morning show at WABC. And obviously, this was a, a big subject. And as you mentioned, the, these mass shootings weren't uh, commonplace mm-hmm. And especially in Garden City, New York, um, you know, the, it just doesn't happen. So, um, you know, a couple of months or weeks go by and they identify the subject. And literally, Frank, I almost passed out. Happenstance is a weird thing on how twists of fate can intertwine with parts of your life during a lull in my 50 year radio career, I had to get a job and I was working as a recruiter, essentially a salesman at a trade school in Westbury, New York. Those of you in New York would know exactly where it is. Ellison Avenue where the DMV was at one time. I don't know whether it's still there. And the way these trade schools work is they advertise on the kind of non-network stations in New York, Channel 9, Channel 5. And the person calls in as run during the day when maybe someone's not working, et cetera, et cetera. And, and they call into the, to the school and a person like me would answer and essentially recruit them to come in to take a test and, you know, try to wrap them up mm-hmm. in financial aid and enroll them. Sure. And many of these schools were, well, let's say they're not quite legitimate. This particular school, and I think they're out of business, was a computer school. To tell you how backward in time this was, it was a school that showed people how to use mainframe computers. <laughs> PCs weren't even really wow. thought about. <laughs> so... We had an IBM 4350 or some freaking machine like that. So this kid calls in from Brooklyn, and one of the problems that the school had and why they eventually closed is that the most of the leads were from Brooklyn and Queens. So we're in Westbury, New York, which is about, what, 20 minutes out of the city, out of Manhattan, and... There is no public transportation that people in Brooklyn, Queens are familiar with. They're familiar with the subway system and the bus system. Right, the N train, the four train, right. Absolutely. So you had to show them or tell them, walk them through to go to Flatbush Avenue, which was the terminal for the Long Island Railroad at the time, um, and had them take the train to Westbury, New York, walk down Post Road, and go to Ellison Avenue where this thing was. So I get a call. This is probably, what, three years prior to 93. And um gentleman from Brooklyn, from the islands, Jamaica, calls me up. And um, I tell him how to take the train, Long Island Railroad, you know, stopping then probably, what, at uh, – um, trying to think uh, of the different stops. Jamaica is obviously the big thing. And then you take the train, Maryland Avenue, Carl Place, Westbury, Mineola, blah, blah, blah. And so I tell this kid how to take the train. He comes in, takes the test, 
aces the test. It was a legitimate test. 100% perfect. Wow. I meet with him. I hear his background. He comes from an incredible family in Jamaica, very uh, well-to-do, high up in government. And um, that kid was the shooter, Colin Ferguson. That is absolutely Amazing. I mean, I've always wondered what was his deal was, what kind of caused him to to snap. In uh, other documentaries about this case, and if people are just tuning in, we're talking with Mike Thompson, a veteran a talk radio producer and program di- director. These days, he's an actor. He covered the Long Island Railroad shooting for WABC 30 years ago. But um, one of the things that I hear from police that spoke with Ferguson afterwards is he seemed to tie everything to racism. He uh, kept pointing out instances that he felt discriminated against or that were somehow unfair to either him specifically or to black people. Did you get the sense when you interacted with Ferguson, either in giving him directions on how to take the train or uh, dealing with him on the test or anything along those lines, did you get the sense that he had any sort of a chip on his shoulder or any sort of racial animus? None. None. What I got was a very well-educated, very um, nice gentleman, kid, who um, was in this country. And believe me, I I am not one to speak about race and all the ramifications and permeations of race and so forth. But I can tell you, knowing some people from the islands, um, guy that I helped along in his career, Stephen A. Smith, other people. it's a t- and if you've ever been to the islands, you probably have Frank. Mm-hmm. You're a big spender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Too much. Totally different culture. So I only surmise just on basically the stories I've heard about him. But meeting him in that instance is here. He is in Brooklyn, and I'm sure you know there's a big Jamaican community in Brooklyn. I'm not sure whether he was tied into that, but the cultures of an islander who happens to be. Um, a black islander and perhaps those some of those in Brooklyn um, is totally different and I'm guessing and the stories that maybe he relates bear it out that it was a and I know there were a lot of things with it you know he lost people from cancer and all kinds of you know he had a tough life I think his just his freaking head exploded and he went crazy and And here I am still to this day feeling guilt that, you know, if I didn't enroll this guy into school and teach him how to, because the question always when you had these leads on the phone for Brooklyn or Queens, well, what train do I take out there? I go, well, (laughs) it's the Long Island Railroad. What's that? Okay. Is that the D train? I go, no, 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 no. So, you know, here is this guy transplanted from this life that he had in Jamaica um, and he's just in Brooklyn and, you know, well, you could fill in the blanks, probably what he felt, whether it was justified or not, certainly not. But, you know, it's a culture shock. 
Uh, uh, that is wild. And, and the reason that you mentioned Jay's commentary uh, of black rage being prescient, it was because his lawyers, before he fired them and represented himself, uh, Kunstler and Kuby, that was their defense, that he was driven to temporary insanity by this psychiatric condition they called black rage. Very yep. interesting. Hey, uh, Mike, thanks for uh, letting us uh, tap into you, uh, your brain and uh, stroll down memory lane. Uh, let's talk again. Absolutely, Frank. Great uh, to hear you. And uh, you're probably on every radio station I've programmed throughout the country. Uh, So hello. (laughs) Take care and have a wonderful morning. We'll take it. Thank you. Mike Thompson. uh, Great to hear his voice again. If you want to comment, 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. 30 years ago today, the Long Island Railroad Massacre. Wow. Straight ahead.